Oh man, I really want to buy a, a I really want to buy a, mo- a module. Where should oh man? Let me just get down the old the old computer here and where should oh Patchworks. Dot com p a t c h w e r k s dot oh that's a fun way to smell patch well what do they got here oh my gosh they carry make noise and wmd oh wow they even have after later audio and ai synthesis and recovery effects dope for mutable instruments what Shoppy engineering mystic circuits wow they really carry it all and uh you know what if somebody was maybe eavesdropping on me as i talk to myself about this i would probably tell them to head over to p-a-t-c-h-w-e-r-k-s.com uh if they wanted to pick up some modules and help support a really cool brick and mortar business that's not only focused on uh retail but also on community and education uh that's patchworks.com for anybody eavesdropping on me talking myself right now p-a-t-c-h-w-e-r-k-s dot com boy i'm excited about this week's episode we have the man the myth the legend ben hines uh formerly of dwarfcraft what does that mean we'll get into it and of course the uh the mastering wizard the modular mage um the uh super illustrious <laughs> uh nathan moody is also on the show why are they on the show together well they have collaborated on a uh, a really amazing animated short film called dead astronaut and we're going to talk all about that in a few moments as well as nathan moody's new album that is also out this week uh on flag day recordings so uh links to both in the description and man these guys are killing it with the content two releases this uh they were actually last week so you may have already checked them out and speaking of sweet sweet content have you got your tickets to uh to synth booth yet do you know what synth booth is if not, press stop and go listen to last week's episode with Anna Zamir, the mastermind behind this online event that's going to take place October 16th through 18th. Um, it's a virtual experience for the modular synth community. And as a media partner for Synth Booth, I'm asking you to join us for an interactive online experience where modular synth makers, musicians, and enthusiasts can connect with their community in a safe and accessible setting. Synth Booth is hosted virtually using an app, and it features panel discussions educational sessions, a keynote, virtual exhibitor booths, uh, community chat rooms, and music performances. Um, Banna Hafar, Ann Annie, The Galaxy Electric, um, Afrorack, so many more. Um, it's going to be super fun. So please head over to synthbooth.com uh, to get your tickets. There's there's a couple different uh, pass, pass availabilities, um, and they're all uh, very affordable. Um, and... Uh, yeah, you'll get access a week early, and you can. I mean, I'm seriously. If you haven't listened to last week's episode and this sounds at all interesting, go listen to it. It's. It took a whole episode to explain the depth of this interactive experience. Um, so yeah, synthbooth.com. I want to take a moment to thank everybody who supports me on Patreon. It means. Um, it means a lot to me. And without you, I couldn't keep this show coming uh, every week. So. In a sense, you're directly responsible for that, so so thank you. I also want to thank anybody who has supported me in the past but had to stop for any reason whatsoever. Um, this isn't a lifelong commitment thing. It's almost kind of like like a relay team or something. 
you know some of you are let's 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 do like a torch you know like someone some of you are carrying the torch currently and then you know you'll pass that torch on to somebody else so um i guess i'm talking to everybody out there who's looking down at their hand and thinking i wish i was carrying a torch well i have good news for you you can you can join this elite group on patreon.com forward slash modular modcast to help keep these weekly interviews with the people who make the instruments that you use every day and who also make the music that you listen to every day that inspires you to make your own music. I'm bringing them into your ears. And you're helping me to do that. So grab that torch. Join us today. And make the world a better place through virtual panhandling and the, the monetization of art. Because we live in a capitalistic society and that's how shit gets done. Patreon.com forward slash Podular Modcast. We're going to get into a demo here in a moment, but uh, I first want to just remind you that um, Needham Woodworks is out there making the best Eurorack cases in the game. I'm currently staring at mine right now. Um, it's, it's the nicest thing I own. It's the most beautiful piece of furniture in the house, um, and I highly advise you get one if, uh, if, if you want. If you want to just, you know, not only play with your modules but do so in style with class needamwoodworks.com all right let's get into this demo with the r2 rar from omi industries this will take uh it's a digital to analog converter it basically takes uh gates and uh it takes five gates and it will spit out a uh a random voltage based off of that, which is super cool. Attenuator, attenuverter on it. I'm actually just going to feed it two gates today. Um, it's it's just, yeah, you don't need to feed it five for it to do really cool things. Um, so let's just start off right now. Let's just uh, let's get a kick drum going on the SSF entity percussion. So that's fun. But there's not a whole lot happening. So I'm using the Metron just uh just a straight four on the floor, if you will. Um, then I've got two other more kind of clicky fast beats coming from the Metron, and, and that's what's feeding the, uh, the R2R. So let's plug that into the, uh, the harmonics input on the, uh, the SSF entity. So that sounds pretty cool. Um, a little clickier than I want, you know, with the random voltage, it's gonna be, uh, you're gonna get that with random voltage sometimes. So, what I'm gonna do is actually run that in through the tilt from After Later Audio and add some, uh, add some slope to that. So let's run that in. So I think that's, uh, much better. Um, and now what I'm gonna do is I'm actually gonna split that signal out from the uh, the tilt, um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna use the same signal coming from the R2 RAR through the tilt to um, go into the one volt per octave of the Generate 3 from your analog. It's in low mode, so it is in um, LFO mode, and then I'm going to uh, use one of the outputs to control the uh, the one volt per octave input of the SSF entity. Thank you. 
I'm running it into the nostalgia delay from Dreadbox just for a little effect. Um, but yeah, so this is just how you can use the R2R with two gates to basically go from this to this. Please visit omiindustries.com. That's O-M-I-I-N-D-U-S-T-R-I-I-E-S.com. And after later audio, please check out the Tilt, Blend, and Steps. Um, hopefully going to be releasing some videos featuring those after later audio um, modules soon. Um, yeah, I've got a lot of cool video stuff going right now. Um, but I'll talk about that later. Let's get into this episode. Recording in the DAW. Same. Uh, cool. So we're all rolling. Well, this is uh, this is going to be fun. I'm really looking forward to this. And and to be honest, I didn't. I never thought that I'd be talking to both of you guys at the same time. Um, Same. I didn't know you guys knew each other, but it's it's you know this small this small cool little world that we uh, that we live in. But we have Nathan Moody and and Ben Hines on the show. So thank you guys so much for joining me. Oh, thank you. Um, and let's just get uh, let's just catch up with you guys because you've both been on the show. So since you've last been on, um, what's been going on? I know Nathan, you've got so much stuff going on because me and you have been chatting back and forth the last few weeks, talking about you coming back on because it's been a while and what could we talk about and uh i know you got a new album coming out is it the first of september uh yeah uh the second of september on flag day second of september yep and that's going to be on flag day recordings um and that's called distill and it's a interesting album in that i was approached by a photographer to basically score a body of his work so it's like a score but for a series of still images rather than a single piece of moving imagery. So that was an interesting uh-huh. challenge that'll drop on September 2nd. Um, and then other than that, continuing to do a lot of audio post-production work for my day job and my other day job, which is uh, mastering. So continuing mm-hmm. to um, stay really busy with that and just love being able to collaborate with insanely talented musicians. So that's been been really rewarding. Yeah. In this, in this day and age, it's pretty cool to have uh inside jobs (laughs) 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 definitely (laughs) um is this your first release on flag day it is i've i've known okay i've known the label head billy for a while uh because i've uh, mastered some projects that have been released on flag day like yours tim Mm -hmm. Um, yeah yeah and uh and so yeah this is an interesting year i usually self-release all my own stuff but this year i've been on modular field and now on flag day and so it's kind of nice after geez probably 18 years to finally get involved with labels again so um so it's been really fun that's awesome yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna start the hunt again too i'm 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 just gonna put this out there right now into the universe i'm looking i want to i want to do my next release on vinyl i've never done anything on vinyl so if you're out there listening and you got any leads um yeah <laughs> i ask about uh flag day because i know when i was getting stuff my my album mastered by you we were talking about you releasing something with flag day so it's it's yeah it's finally out that's why i asked if this was your second release because i was like that, that other one had to have come out but i didn't remember it actually yeah happening. you know it's it's funny when 
if you if you are releasing albums yourself, you realize this is how it goes. But if you're an, uh, just a consumer of music, you often don't realize the just insane lead times it takes mm-hmm. between you as an artist saying, you know what, it feels resolved. I feel like I can let go of it now. And then, you know, it can be a year before it actually hits the marketplace. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's awkward yeah. because it's like, oh, now I have to promote this thing that I've been emotionally over for nine months. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. It's almost, almost everything I've been involved with moves at like a tectonic plate uh, mm-hmm. pace. Yeah. Which, you know, almost imperceptibly, sl- imperceptibly slow and then bam! Yeah. You know, sudden, fucks up everything around event. it. And yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you, I mean, I've got, I imagine that's like super amplified in, um, in the pedal world, you know, like from the conception of the idea to the prototyping, to the ordering of all the parts, layout, oh. all of that, and then the promotion and everything that's, you know. Yeah, that that can be torturously slow. Yeah. And especially like the, like the more things that are out of my hands directly. Mm-hmm. You know the <laughs> the harder that is to to wait through and you know quote unquote supervise or whatever. Right. Yeah. When I was going to release music to come down to with Flag Day, it um, it was completely out of my hands, and it was actually out of Billy's hands from Flag Day. The uh, you know like these major suppliers of um, the was it the ferrite or whatever the actual material. Oh yeah. The, and it just was like gone. So all of these cassette releases just got totally totally hosed. I forgot that so, your tape came out during like the fer- the uh, the ferrite oxide shortage. Wow, I forgot yeah. about that. It was right. <laughs> the world like- <laughs> the world ran out of rust. <laughs> I was in my backyard yeah, my- scraping my old boat to get rust off just to work on Tim's a- album. <laughs> Yeah, it was. We I gotta get these like drone tapes out. <laughs> it was like four, four or five months delayed because of that. And then you know, I wonder how much I, I've been thinking about the labels a lot lately with, with COVID, and then with this attack on the the post office, which we don't have to get into. But I'm very, very yeah. concerned about all these small labels yeah. um, that we love so much. To, so to, get to out say, there and buy some stamps. To say nothing of the um, the uh, fire that took out all of Apollo, which makes the blank lacquers that all mastering engineers use on their lathes that happened i think in january mm-hmm. so oh my gosh it's 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 a it's a tough season for uh for or actually about a tough year year and a half for for physical releases but you know uh there's still this material now is still in the the channels and still in these facilities it definitely is uh taking longer than it normally does though mm-hmm. and are you doing cassette release for distill we're going old school, mid old school. We're actually releasing on CD for a few reasons. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> one is, you know, vinyl is not only expensive to manufacture, it's expensive for the consumer. Um, mm-hmm. And so we're trying to keep the price point lower. Secondly, um, the piece is envisioned to be one continuous 50 minute listening experience. And splitting mm-hmm. that up onto two sides of a tape didn't feel right. And so the CD is just a great. Uh, format for just continuous listening, where you can, but you can still drop markers to to show that this is sure. part one, this is part two, yeah. this is part three. Um, mm-hmm. 
so the other advantage, of course, is that you have it's like that perfect middle ground graphically between tape and vinyl, yeah. because you can have a booklet, yeah. and this is a project about photography. So if we don't show the photographs, it's it the piece isn't complete. So that wound right. up that being a, being a, a a fun choice, and I'm still a fan of that medium personally. Um, even though it's not super popular, but they said that about it tapes too. So. better than the other two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and the, the, the booklet, um, it's, it's sort of a, that size is like a little bit challenging, like depending on how much text you want to fit in, um, which I don't know. I feel like that factor if you factor it in, if you build that challenge into your booklet of that size, it can be pretty sick. Yeah, we actually mm -hmm. yeah, we, we we made this project as hard as we possibly could because we asked uh, Mark Wiedenbaum <laughs> from Disquiet.org oh, to yeah. write an essay. Uh -huh. So we have all these photographs and a lengthy essay to all lay out in like eight pages. So um, yeah, I say I say go challenging or go home. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm so glad you brought up Mark. I just want to, um, Mark, if you're listening, I want to shout you out. He's been on the show. He was one of my early guests and one of the first that I was like, like kind of like starstruck in a way about because he, with his disquiet, he started this this thing called the, the Junto Group where it was just like a weekly assignment to get you into experimenting musically. Um, and that was like right when I got into electronic music. So his experiments really like guided my hand and helped me develop my my style that i still i still feel like it's with me now um, oh, very cool and he wrote that 33 and a third book on apex mm. on the selected ambient works so that's that's a great get this sounds like a really cool project and i'm really looking forward to it <laughs> um and it's also at because we're recording this before it's released it will be released after so it's it's out now so listener uh, go to Flag Day Recordings and, and check this out. It sounds like a really, really cool thing. Um, now it's coming with now. The, so with the CD booklet, you're getting the the photos with it. Yes, correct. That's cool. Okay. Um, right on. Well, Ben, I think you've got some big news too. Get, we can get caught up with you, yeah. and then we'll we'll tell the listener why you guys are on together. But um, yeah, what's what's new? Well, I guess I mean the biggest thing is that. Dwarfcraft is on indefinite hiatus. Mm -hmm. um, I I've gone back to school for art, and my wife is working at Bandcamp now. Uh, so, which is like pretty pretty awesome. <laughs> um, and um, so, I mean that we had been thinking about trying to sort of move on for for some time. And uh, then, then finally, the the stars sort of aligned. Um, I mean, Louise had applied to Bandcamp at least one time before, and maybe I think what happened was she got an email that was basically like, "Okay, we're not going to hire you this time, but you're at the top of the stack for next time." So I mean, that's probably over a year ago now. But uh, yeah, got that got that interview call and 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 now she's working at the band camp and I'm working at college and on uh, animation with our with our old pal Nathan Moody. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, Nathan, feel free to 
to hop in anytime I start screwing up here. <laughs> but uh, we were we were a little bit vague uh, as we close things down. Um, and if I'm remembering correctly, Nathan sent a message that was like, hey, can we talk on the phone? I kind of want to get the whole story here. <laughs> is that accurate? Uh, yeah, that, that is. So we were, we were a little vague with the, the information and the, and the hiatus at the beginning. And, and Nathan sent a message that was like, hey, can we talk on the phone? Like, I, I'd like to get the whole story here. Uh-huh. And that turned into like a 90-minute phone call <laughs> um, where we found out like how much we have in common. And uh, and then I think it was a couple days later he sent, sent an email like, hey, I've got an idea on something we could collaborate on. Um, does that sound accurate, Nathan? Yeah, um, I've been a fan of of Ben's uh, devices since I bought a uh, a robot devil pedal way back, <laughs> and then a great destroyer, and then I still will go to my grave uh, saying that uh, Ben's pedal demos are the best things on YouTube, <laughs> hands down. Um, no, no competition or argument. Uh, and if you think differently, you're wrong. So, um, zing. So what we what we realized is that we have all these like aesthetic links in common from everything from loving doom metal to the our taste in cartoons to our taste in in electronic music, and um, and because of what Ben said he was interested in studying in school. Uh, I revealed to him that, yes, now I'm an audio professional, but I have this 20-plus year career as a motion designer, illustrator, and, um, and motion graphics guy. So, um, so that led Ben to then tell me, well, you know, <laughs> I've got this idea. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, so I had been flirting with this, this, I wanted to start a Twitter art gang called Dead Astronaut Gang. <laughs> Uh-huh. And the instead of getting like beat into the gang or whatever, all you had to do was draw a picture of a dead astronaut, um, which I think we had three members uh, before it was forgotten to the digital winds of time. More of a ganglet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, you know, a board of directors maybe. Um, and uh, and I and I had been working on a, a painting uh, with the dead astronaut on it, um, and so basically you started um, just trying to come up with with uh, an animated short, um, which I mean it was it it's it took a few iterations and like. Um, sort of the big thing was I always uh, shoot for the moon mm-hmm. and then when somebody says okay we can get to the moon then I accidentally start shooting for Saturn <laughs> so <laughs> so Nathan was like let's do a, a 30 second short and I was like terrific how long do you think this is and it was now it's two and a half minutes <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So, what have I, what of my core creative um, and professional skills is being a wet blanket. Um, <laughs> so I, I I excel at at uh, crying scope a lot. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, well, you're also you also have a lot of projects on your work desk. So, um, yeah, and it, it, it's it's amazing how this worked out. You know, uh, with the pandemic and everything work has oscillated between being busier than ever and absolutely quiet. Mm -hmm. And it just so happened that when we really reached the point of pre-production was kind of wrapping up and we're really about to like get into real heavy lifting production, um, my, my work, um, really slowed down. Mm -hmm. And so it gave this perfect kind of window of opportunity to just go, go deep and push super hard. Mm -hmm. And um, and work with Ben to kind of make a lot of progress really quickly. So the stars or Saturn and the Moon really align <laughs> uh-huh. uh, pretty perfectly for this to come together. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I remember there there was a couple like a couple like super heavy weeks in between where like I was I was not prepared for <laughs> for the pace that Nathan was working at. <laughs> um, like. Uh, like not that I was like, I'm gonna slough off this week. Just like, oh yeah, no, I had not thought nearly that far in the future. But <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the. That's just one of the things you tackle with like a remote collaboration of of any kind. I think, mm-hmm. um, and especially because we're we're both trying to cram these things in between our our obligations. You know, trying to get some some art made in in the meantime. Mm-hmm. So, um, is, was this a project for school, or is just something you're using your school, you know, your learnings for? Well, um, like, officially it's not for school, uh-huh. but there is a program at the school that I want to get into. Um, uh-huh. and, and so this is, this, the, the Dead Astronaut Shorts uh, prime directive is to be an exclamation point at the end of of, of my portfolio <laughs> okay so i so i can go to school for animation <laughs> okay very cool very cool um so i want to talk about just the the score and the sound um so so ben you did the music for it and nathan you did i'm assuming all the really cool sci-fi noises um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. how much uh like now, are the some of the noises when you listen to the, the like the, the the tracks on Bandcamp? Is some of that Nathan's stuff, or is that just strictly for the animation? The the stuff on Bandcamp is all score that I did. Okay, I, so I did I didn't take any of the of the of the sound design, um, but we, I whoa, kitty attack. <laughs> um, sorry, we. You know, we we sort of discussed a vibe uh, over the phone and stuff. And um, well, Nathan, you did sound design. You you tell tell where how you came to it. Well, um, you know, Ben is Ben is the director of this short animated piece that we did. Mm-hmm. And one of the big questions that I had was really about kind of what's what's the sonic universe, what's the texture of this uh, dead astronaut. And one of the first things that he said was like, you know, 80s anime. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I heard that, I'm like, okay, that is an incredible 
set of guidelines because that means we're going to be uh, not entirely, but mostly synthesized ring modulation up the wazoo for sure. <laughs> um, right. Lots of shings and zings and like that, yeah. that just defined the palette right there. Mm-hmm. And so um, knowing that Ben and I both have kind of subversive senses of humor, I wanted to find other ways and other um, uh, styles to also work within as long as it familyed well mm-hmm. with that sonic uh, palette. And what I liked about that direction too is that the, the short looks nothing like 80s anime except for a few shots where we like tip our hat directly mm-hmm. real s- real strong tribute. very strong <laughs> to, to, to some of those those quote-unquote cheap tricks you do in anime to like get a lot of impact out of just you know two frames flipping back and forth uh-huh. that kind of thing uh-huh. um so so that wound up being kind of my guideline for sound design and of course one of the challenges is that usually in a project like this there's a third audio person called a re-recording mixer who takes all the sound design and takes all the music and works with the director to figure out shot for shot, scene for scene which is ascendant Mm -hmm. in that moment. Do we duck the sound design and let the music lead? Um, Stuff like that. So I had to act as that role as well because I was responsible for the final mix Mm -hmm. and so Ben and I had the advantage of being able to talk about that really early Mm -hmm. and so there's a few scenes that we knew from the outset this is a music scene. This is mm-hmm. a sound design scene. And that really helped kind of uh, focus our energies because in a, in a kind of side project like this, how, you, how efficient you are with your time becomes really important. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that, was, that was really, really useful. Yeah, I, I handled the final mix and that included the music. So what I had Ben do was render out stems of his score. Uh-huh. And okay. we had a discussion about like, yeah, how should we handle like what stems should be there? And Ben, what? I think there were maybe six stems. There weren't that many. No, it was a real minimal composition. Um, well, it rips, man. <laughs> thank you. It really does. I um, um, like I I I can't tell you how many like score ideas I had. Um, I like I've been working on an album that I'm just calling the space metal album <laughs> that I th- I thought maybe that would work but like <clears throat> like the 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 time that I had set aside to work on the score like I took a walk and listened to to space metal as it was and I was like this is uh, like it's too fucking real it's like you know it's <laughs> You know, it it's like uh, uh, alien as opposed to predators uh-huh, right. or what, whatever whatever the Shane Black one was. Yeah, you know, and the predator. And, yeah, yeah. Oh God, I, I don't I don't and, count that one. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> uh, I I was supposed to go see that with my band, uh-huh. and every everybody else bailed after I had bought my ticket. So. <laughs> So that that'll always be a sore spot for me. Uh, anyway, so so I felt like Dead Astronaut, like, uh, in many ways it was therapeutic for me to work on it. In the most obvious ways, it is escapism. Like, um, there's, I really purposefully had zero violence in the short. Like this, 
it, to the viewer, like it should just be beautiful and enjoyable, mm-hmm. and to have this like super sinister, like from the depths of my black heart, <laughs> space metal was not going to do it. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I I did I did like one sort of sound design session with the modular, and I was like, oh, I'm not getting there. I'm not getting there. And then, as I often do, I set up a, a, a very small um, pedal rig and just, like, flew. Um, mm. And that that's, and that's where, like, all, those, all the drones and things came from, which I then built the, the rest of the score off of, just from okay. a really, from, you know, tried to crack that heart open uh-huh. and just you know let let the good come out rather than the, any other method yeah no was that live drums and was that you uh it is uh, uh the logic drum kit i was it sounds really good <laughs> i was like this, this, this especially that hi-hat is v- it's very good oh yeah the um, drums just totally slam really really mm-hmm. well done on that <laughs> it, re- it really like it's it's a real it's a real ripper of a tune um yeah and uh, it really fits the aesthetic of the whole thing. And when you mentioned just now that there's no violence in it, that's like, when you know, like, oh yeah, there, there isn't, but it doesn't feel, it still feels like engaging and action-packed and even kind of dark, but then I feel like there's also kind of like a hopeful, sweet aspect yeah. to it, which I really yeah. thought you, you did a really nice job of blending all of, all of that into one thing. We, um... We, I think we both wanted there to be some uncertainty on, like, on the first pass, like, until, like, until it very obviously resolves at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, if we've got a minute to go into backstory here, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, so the the dead astronaut uh, is like an indentured servant for five hundred missions. And sort of the ship and the smart suit keep him alive, and so when he goes to the to Planet Eyeball in our short, that's his that's his first outing as a free man. Mm. So he's trying to rebuild his physical body, and the way that he does that is is just simply doing a kindness to somebody else. Oh, that that makes me like it even more. That's <laughs> and it sets it up to where you can do more. Exactly. Planet, yeah, planet and skin like, bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> I'm not so sure I want to sign up for the spleen planet adventure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, like, in I've, if my environment can can change enough, uh, like, there's I. I gotta do like a joyfully violent episode. Uh-huh, right. <laughs> like, like I'm, I am, I am all for like the, the subversion of violence into beauty, mm-hmm. in in that sort of like, um, I guess John Wick, right. is like the latest, the latest yeah. hottest example. You you just mm-hmm. bl- you just blow my mind, Ben Hines, with that phrase <laughs> because that also describes every pedal you have ever designed all of them <laughs> seriously totally, totally, like, like yeah. that is the dwarf craft like identity that's amazing mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah i think so uh cool yeah well man 
if I was still putting out uh, press releases, <laughs> I would I would quote the shit out of you. <laughs> You're quoting yourself. Stop quoting yourself. Stop quoting yourself. Um, so, well, since I mean on on the topic of of dwarf craft, I mean it sounds like this whole experience for you working on this project was pretty cathartic, and I mean obviously we've all had a really emotionally crazy time this year. Um, yeah, but like it sounds like maybe you know, Dwarfcraft, you know, putting going on indefinite hiatus is is like another level of that. And can you can you speak to like your reasoning? Like like why are you guys stepping away? Is it just kind of like, yeah? What what like do you mind talking about that? Uh, no, I don't mind at all. Um, I I mean like with anything, it's it's multifactorial. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess. I mean the 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 simplest the over the overarching reason is, is that we just weren't feeling it like we did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there we were in business for over thirteen years. I mean, technically, like we still are, but we're just not putting any effort into it. <laughs> um, and there was huge changes to the industry. The pace accelerated beyond what we could keep up with honestly um and i mean i didn't i did i didn't start this to be in marketing and to 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 keep going with the industry as it is you you need a full-time marketing team and a budget for them um and so that's one aspect. That's something that could be overcome any number of ways. Um, so personally for me, the and I, I didn't really realize this at the time, but the thing that was really wrecking me was this gear addiction. Like mm-hmm. uh, just getting, trying to get new gear you know and that'd be my moment of dopamine and then i'd see it on the shelf and be like oh i'm i'm too busy with work to work on that and then i would feel worse so i was and i was just making myself feel worse and worse and worse and and the offers are always out there like if i see something i like chances are i can figure out a a trade or or some some way to get it Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, and then never fucking do anything with it um and so, and I deal with a lot of a lot of issues of, of jealousy and just like all that nasty brain stuff that got lumped into the pedal industry in in my head, and um, I had to get. You, you, were, you were mentioning the pace of the the world of pedals, and I was wondering if you were talking yeah. about like the pace of design. Or like the pace of, like how rapidly inventory gets taxed because of how popular it is, or like. Uh, it's it was mostly the like the the pace of release got supercharged in the last few years. I mean, when we started, like you were expected to release, like indie companies uh, were expected to release like one pedal a year. Mm-hmm. And if you could do one around Summer Nam too, like holy shit, standing ovation. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, uh, I mean, this is my my theory is, 
that um, a lot of a lot of bigger bigger money companies saw the success that was happening in it, it, with small builders and started putting money into that sort of style of, mm-hmm. of pedal you know the the less bossy uh, factory made stuff and the you know the the boutique style I guess right. and then things all that money means you can put them out faster and faster right. and if they don't hit it doesn't matter because your next one is coming and it just sort of turned into this waterfall of like I'm talking about the industry on a, on the whole here just a waterfall of mediocrity mm-hmm. but it it doesn't matter how sick my fucking reverb pedal is <laughs> because it's one little gray brick in the middle of that waterfall right yeah mm. that does that 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 sounds taxing and especially like getting into it like it sounds like you did for more like love of the game and um you know just being super interested in it and um i feel like that's kind of i don't know i i I feel that from a lot of people whether it's my friends who are musicians or my friends who are manufacturers of some of some sort it's the business aspect of it is the grimy part that isn't as much fun and it really takes away from the creative aspect absolutely um yeah, and that for thirteen years, I could I totally understand. So yeah, so you're so this project you're working on is just totally uh, it's it's kind of helping you uh, exercise all of this on top of a fucking global pandemic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it gave gave me something positive to focus on instead of yeah, uh, you know, I'm pre I'm predisposed to focus on the worst aspects of anything. Same so here. Same have, here. Having okay, yeah. <laughs> I think that's pretty common. And one of the reasons why I wanted to get involved was um, when I was in Ben's situation in, you know, starting around probably 1867, um, (laughs) the the thing that always evaded me was never, like, the specifics. It wasn't, like, the tools. It wasn't the software. It wasn't how to draw. It was workflow. It was what is the optimal way to interact with, with other people in other disciplines, whether they're designers or animators or sound people or whatever. And so one of the reasons I wanted to get involved in, and work with Ben is to, uh, to share some of that. Because one of the reasons I love being a mastering engineer is there's a, there's a big aspect of mentoring. Mm-hmm. And I, I wouldn't say on this project I was a mentor of Ben necessarily, but I, were, I would. <laughs> <laughs> there were definitely some things that I've learned the hard way and have learned to do over years of basically screwing it up mm. and wanted to <laughs> save Ben that pain. And so we wound up, you know, talking about all the all those nitty-gritty daily details that really make a difference when you collaborate with someone else creatively in the media space, like mm-hmm. um like over communication, like version numbering, um uh, like how you know what's easier to animate versus harder in terms of how you prepare your files. And it and what was great about this Dead Astronaut project is that I think it perfectly matched what Ben was good at and what I was good at. Mm-hmm. So he did. He was the director. He illustrated everything by hand. And even when we used particle systems in the animation, they were the particles he drew by hand. Oh wow! <laughs> Very um, cool. And then when it came to the music, he did all the music. I did all the sound design. 
and I did all the motion and animation. Um, so it just wound up being this, like, to me, on my end, it felt like this very balanced kind of um, division of labor that doesn't always happen. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's all of us have been through high school and remember those chem lab <laughs> classes where <laughs> yeah. there's four of you and one of you does the work and uh -huh. everyone else coasts, right? Yep, um, yep. Uh, but I was the coaster. Was... <laughs> <laughs> I was. I mean, I, I was just. I mean, I'm, I'm dyslexic, and and uh, so I. And rather than learn how to uh, do math, I learned how to be uh, witty and charming, and then just kind of like that softened and the blow. Get the math. People do it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> it sounds like um, also just with like the current situation in the world, a really great way to have to kind of quench the thirst of you know human interaction and and oh, i think yeah. that's why a lot of people get into you know a lot like one of the my favorite aspects of of anything creative is collaboration and and, and it's not just for the end product it's for the process um totally. you know just that interaction mm -hmm. and that bonding and everything so it sounds like you guys really had a good time and, and helped each other through this weird time as well by by having something to focus on I'd say so. Um, it, uh, I mean, like the, uh, I was, I was pretty focused in school. Oh, meeting upgraded. Thanks, Tim. Oh, what does uh, that mean? <laughs> achievement unlocked. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I didn't even do anything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I hadn't really tapped into that, to that kind of super focus that that I was learning in school um in a long time um and so to be able to keep keep that up you know during during the summer was was really important and healthy too mhm mm yep and one of the things Definitely. that I think that is also always really amazing about um I think the best collaborations is not just someone else bringing ideas to the table but um when as ben said earlier um when you do shoot for the moon and someone needs to pull you back really focusing on like why are we headed to the moon in the first place mm -hmm. and is there, yeah. a, is there a different way to get there mm -hmm. you know and so like there's a teleportation effect in 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 the in the video in the in the film and ben had this very specific vision for how it could how he wanted it to look and we didn't execute on that directly, but I think we got close mm -hmm. in a way that at least respected his intent. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's where all this really matters. Like when I work with musicians or when I hire session musicians to help me with my work, which is a whole nother topic. Maybe we'll talk about the next time I'm on this podcast. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's the interpretation layer of how someone takes your intent because you can say, here's my intent and here's how, like, how I'd like it executed. Mm -hmm. And I think the beauty is how the execution that comes back to you is always going to be different than how you envisioned it. But if someone yeah. has your intent in mind, it nine times out of ten is always better than the execution right. <laughs> that you mandated or suggested. And it's in the cracks in between that passing back and forth when happy accidents can happen too, I feel like. That's what I miss oh, most yeah. about being in a band is that collaboration. And, and like uh, you were saying, Nathan, like having somebody to kind of pull you back, but then also like hearing somebody else's idea and be like, well, that's great. What if we did this as well? And like that whole kind of piling on of ideas. I just, I love that. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, it's and uh, you know, I kind of feel like every collaborative project is a series of compromises. Mm-hmm. Like at least, uh, like at least that's how my like ideas come to me are like they're all fucking impossible. <laughs> so like <laughs> the the moment you try to get to reality, like we're we're compromising, you know, and that's mm-hmm. not that's not a that's not a bad word in in the arts, especially like that. I kind of feel like uh, that that that. The art is in the compromise, you know. Like we're we're compromising with the medium and then each other, and and then like you mentioned, the happy accidents. Um, that's actually a little bit how I drew um, a lot of the stuff in in the short. Um, initially, I was I was doing very clean lines, like trying to design the astronaut in a very like adventure time sort of mm-hmm. smooth beautiful way and over and over i would try again and again and i would really like the sketch and then when i cleaned it up i'd be like it just died it just fucking died in <laughs> front of me like i loved it when it was half done uh-huh uh-huh um and so then i was like fuck it this is like a portfolio project it's i'm the director it's i'm just gonna do me like how how i want it done and nathan was able to like level that up with um sort of a line what did you call it line chatter yeah yeah we we added a lot of um it, in stop motion animation, if you ever see a character in stop motion that's like made of fur or covered in mm-hmm. fur, yeah, there's this effect called chatter where the fur keeps moving frame to frame because in between every frame, someone's hands are adjusting the puppet. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. You know, so the the fur moves in this kind of weird, squidgy way because of the the method, and that is often called chatter. And so in Dead Astronaut, we wound up wound wound up adding chatter. So that Ben's hard, loose uh, uh, contour marks wouldn't be static. They'd actually come to life a little bit and move and feel different a little bit every frame. Yeah. And so we tried to find a lot of opportunities to, to, to do that. Well, I love that. And I, I like... I like I'm glad you didn't go as much as I want to see these Adventure Time-esque type renderings of the Dead <laughs> Astronaut. Um, I I just love the art. There's a there's a punk rock feel to it, um, and I I feel like you could drop it. You could drop that in an Adult Swim, you know, and it would it would it would fit perfectly. Like in that world, I feel like um, it just I don't know. It has kind of like that. There's the, it's funny, charming, and and kind of raw, and yeah, it's just very mm-hmm. very well done. And I I love that I, that chatter stuff that you're you're mentioning. Yeah, that was that was a game changer when I f- saw the first like test of that. It was just like, okay, yes, this is really really going right. to work. And, like and the project as a whole. Totally. <laughs> and it's like it's like anything else in creativity whether it's music or design or animation, like find something's core essence. And for this piece, it was that it's rough. It's not sketchy bad, but it is stylistically sketchy. 
mm-hmm. and there's a there's a rawness and a I, rough hewn side to it, and like you can't. <laughs> the only way to sell that is to lean into that as hard yes. as you can. Yeah. Yeah. If you if you're trying to not say messy, like I'm gonna say messy, <laughs> like. But that's like, what I mean, like that punk rock feel, like like that yeah, intentionally, yeah. almost like metal writing or punk rock writing, where the totally. the mess is the beauty, the beauty, you know. Yeah. Well, one of my favorite artists in the world is uh, Jim Mafu. Um, I don't know if you've seen any I'm of this familiar. stuff. Okay. Well, he did. I mean, he, uh, like most art, most comics artists, he started as sort of an underground guy, but he did uh, this special, like black and white. Um, edition of a Marvel book called Generation X, um, and it's like it was all like really stylized, exaggerated, like graffiti esque um, illustration, mm-hmm. um, and that really opened my eyes up as like a high school student. And then in the in the intervening years, like. He's gotten infinitely more broad and expressive and fucking messy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, like and like ab- absolutely like took a lot of inspiration from him and just even when I work on things with nothing in mind, I'm talking visually like I'm such a huge fan of uh, letting the paint drip where it may and mm-hmm. finding the image that that creates and then building from that or just raking charcoal up and down the paper and see sort of seeing what emerges um, and so it's a definitely a challenge to get that going in photoshop but <laughs> <laughs> like i think i you know i think we got there yeah, yeah. and i, I a lot of this you can easily describe in musical terms. Like a lot of what Ben is talking about is some degree of aleatoric outcome where it's chance-based outcome. You know, mm-hmm. like paint is dripping and you're going to try to shape it because, you know, your intent has to be rendered somehow. But if it's not going to go exactly where you want it to go, again, it's about leaning into the medium, leading into your creative decision. That's how I make music. Yeah, that's oh yeah, that's, yeah. That's, Un- unpack I, that a little bit, Tim. Yeah, well, like before, I always, I've always felt like I, I've had something inside, like uh, something that I wanted to express inside of me, and you know, playing guitar in bands and singing and and punk and and metal bands and stuff. I just never got it, and and writing songs traditionally, I never. I was just like, why would I do this when so and so did it so much better? And mm-hmm. and it wasn't until I kind of got into, a, well, not kind of. It wasn't until I started producing solo electronic music did I kind of feel that I was this is that thing that I've that I've felt like I could get out and a lot of it was made from experimentation especially with like a lot of uh, Greg Markle's pedals uh, from recovery effects a lot of these really chunky weird um, like glitchy (laughs) fuzz stuff Um, I was basically just experimenting with sound in those and then I would listen to three minutes of the recording of whatever I was doing, and I would go through and I would selectively pick these pieces. So I wasn't actually, when I would make a track, and it's still to this, almost this way with modular to a degree, I don't, I don't say in my, you know, in my head, I'm going to make this kind of track and I want it to sound like this. I approach the gear and I maybe have a mood, 
and then I try to follow the gear, and then like the leaning into yes. it. Yes, that's 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 how I like to make music, and um, the well, leaning yeah, into limitations you're, too. You're talking about uh, well, so this is. I think we're having the same feelings, and mm-hmm. maybe I name them differently, but I kind of feel like um, the machines are a collaborator in that Definitely. situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've actually been thinking about this a lot lately because I'm, I'm collaborating with a friend of mine who's wonderful at piano, and we're doing modular Is he a piano robot? music. <laughs> no, he's not. Um, oh. Unfortunately not. He plays almost as good as a robot could, though. Um, <gasps> yeah, it's just like beautiful, like... like um, yeah, it's just really technical piano. And I was thinking about it, like I'm producing this music and, and when I'm playing with him, I'm just like fiddling with knobs and I'm like, part, you know, the, the, the negative side of me is like, well, he's a real musician. But then I, you know, I'm kind of like, when I'm more compassionate to myself, I think my, I don't feel like my talent lies in my physical ability to make things happen with strings or whatever. I'm a decent guitar player. But I feel like where my artistic... I don't know if talent is the right word. I think I have an ear that can select things and, and sequence things in a certain order and carve them out in the frequency range to make other people think it's interesting. I feel like that's my skill. <laughs> I, th- I think uh, the short version of that word is composer. Is that what that is? Okay. So. <laughs> Maybe. I'm not sure. Ben Hines <laughs> for the win. <laughs> I just, well, I feel so weird saying my, saying that because I'm not trained in any sort of, oh, like, yeah, I know. And there, there's, there's no way to get somebody to roll their eyes faster right. than, than saying that out loud. Well, but it's but just let's, us let's, here right now. So let's take a big step back. Like, uh, there's that horror movie Hereditary, Love and very famous for its score by Colin, Colin Stetson. Stetson, mm-hmm. that's right. right? Yeah. And you listen to that, and you're like, "Oh, it's 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 evocative. It's interesting. It's it plays against type pretty strongly." But there's no question that it's a very harrowing score for a horror film, and that was entirely, without exception, only woodwinds and his voice. No sense, mm-hmm. no strings, wow. no nothing. And so you, you have to look at personal expressiveness in terms of like, what is, what's, what's your home court advantage? And for yeah. someone like Colin Stetson, it's, it's saxophone mm-hmm. and woodwinds. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a, sorry for the tangent, but I'm reading this amazing <laughs> book right Do now. That has a whole chapter on what they call hyper orchestration, which is the idea that a traditional composer, of course, composes for an orchestra. The orchestra plays the composition, and it's that recording that is the score. But now we are in an era, and have I mean, have been in an era for decades now, <laughs> mm-hmm. where the recording process is as much of an input on that as the orchestra and the composer, and mm-hmm. they call that hyper orchestration. So. If you go back and rewatch The Social Network, there is a theme for the Zuckerberg character that plays three times in the movie. Every time it plays, the recording of the piano line gets farther and farther away perceptually from the listener. <laughs> of course. To yeah, underscore course. <laughs> his, his ever you know, decreasing humanity, humanity and empathy, right? Um, yeah. And so... Beep. 
so just that idea, yeah, <laughs> Zuckerbot. Sorry, I said Zuckerberg. I meant Zuckerbot. Um, and and so that idea of just framing how you compose in in even the terms of the recording studio and the recording process and how you mic something. Trent Reznor is a yeah. really really good pianist. Mm-hmm. He's not a concert pianist by any stretch of the imagination, mm-hmm. but that that degree of skill matched with the ability to then map how something is recorded to the emotional content of what you're trying to convey, that's what they were calling hyper-orchestration. And I find that right. really empowering for anyone who's interested in recording and home, um, right. you know, home studio technology and things like that. So, Ben, sure. maybe I don't call myself a composer as much as a hyper-orchestrator. Hi- yes. <laughs> Bingo. Do, do, try that one on next time you're visiting the family. Tim just registered hypercomposer.com. <laughs> but it's, well, I mean, I'm, it's, it, it, it's, yeah. it's on, uh, to a certain degree, it's a silly phrase, but it's a phrase that hasn't existed yet. No one's come up with this term for right. how do you bridge kind of that traditional writing music thing versus the radically democratized technology thing. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's, I I think it's an interesting, it's an interesting way to frame that conversation. Yeah. Well, and there's, there's also, I mean, maybe I'm being a little, uh, preemptively defensive here but uh, (laughs) when, when, when people think of a score, you know, they imagine it, the notes written down on a piece of paper which you can get, depending on how you write, you can get that in logic. And then mm-hmm. if, if you're... Everything you define in, in that computer is... It's notated. It's just in a language that most people can't read and even fewer people can access. Because who would want to read, you know, the binary that says how the, the tremolo is... Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know right. like that it's it's all written down right there's just no fucking reason to read that notation uh-huh. <laughs> and just I mean, like, let's 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 use a real <laughs> specific example of actual orchestration there's this amazing 1958 film uh and it was released under the english title elevator to the gallows it's a fantastic film and it sounds the, like a party and uh <laughs> it's it's a french film and it's scored entirely by miles davis in a very small ensemble. And the process w- for the sc- for scoring it was literally, they played the movie through three times. Mm. And Davis and the entire group improvised the score. And the third and final take is what got printed on it's film. The keeper. And so <laughs> that, you've got to remember that there is no true one way to score something. Not to compare myself to Miles Davis at all, but... Um, <laughs> We, um, uh, oh, here some... comes the predator story again. <laughs> well, me and a... <laughs> Tim uh... Predator held. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> oh, my God. Were we recorded when I when I told that story before? Um, I I don't uh... know. <laughs> well, I did I did I a live scoring with a couple buddies, uh, Josh Lim from uh, he's half a modular Seattle, oh, yeah. and then John and Michael from uh, Bleeps and Loops. They do kind of like oh, yeah. these online um, school or not school classes for for production. Anyways, they we all got together to do a live scoring of Nos- Nosferatu, um, 
And w- the way we practiced was we met up twice and improvised over it twice. And then the third time we did it was in front of an audience. So it was like yeah. we kind of knew what we were doing. But, you know, I had just written down, like, what modes to play on my guitar, like, on some paper sitting on the stage next to me. And that's how we did it. And it was pretty fun. So, uh, yeah, I, th- I think there's definitely... I think you're right. And maybe I think you're right because it just makes what I do more valid or something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, we're, in this, we're in this era, I think, I would argue, of, like, post-everything. And everyone's mm-hmm. rethinking... Mm-hmm. Everything like one of the one of the interesting things about the project that Ben and I did, Dead, Dead Astronaut, is that it does. I think it does have happen to have this pretty strict separation of diegetic sound, you know, sound from the narrative thing, you know, sound design mm-hmm. versus non-diegetic sound, which is the score. You know, there is no mm-hmm. there's no one following the Dead Astronaut with a bass and a drum kit. Right, right, <laughs> right. Um, but there is this um, uh, constant evolution towards blurring that line that we started to see in Blade Runner 2049 and mm-hmm. even the Chernobyl score from HBO. And there are so many other examples where sound design is getting more musical and music is I've getting been, way more sound design. Yes. I've yeah. been noticing that and been wondering like how many kind of like this, like these smaller indie movies are maybe getting the same people to do that and the sound design could be included in the score which is one of the reasons I asked about that with you guys earlier because it sounds like it could have been Um, I mean to a degree Um, but I also (laughs) I also wanted to ask I just for some reason I, I had this 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 idea of of Ben being like, okay, I want like a, a laser sound, like a, a scanning sound, like a sci-fi sound. And then you, you like talking to Nathan and being like something like, woo, 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 woo. and then Nathan like has to, does he then make like a batch of woo, woo, woos to send back? And then like, I don't know why I just had this funny idea of you being like, no, a little bit more, you know, like, so from my perspective, it was like, once we had like the the box, you know, the anime sound effects box. Mm-hmm. After that, after we agreed on that, I pretty much Im- implicitly trusted Nathan from there. Like we're we're speaking the same language, uh, you know, visually at that point, and in terms of vibe and everything. And unless I'm forgetting something, there was. I asked for like a more ripping bass on the <laughs> on the on the hyperspace jumps, and that was it. Yeah, that was pretty much it. I think that, um, but th- this is the advantage of having super clear direction. Mm-hmm. You know, when the direction and the intent is just made so clear, um, all of the decisions you make just kind of flows right out of that. Um, mm-hmm. I would love to say that I spent hours and hours and hours on my modular rig creating sounds from scratch but that's actually not how it went down it was mm-hmm. it was a mix um i've i've got 15 years worth of sound design archives from that's what just i was gonna ask how much of stuff it was that I, archived <laughs> and how much did you specifically make um yeah 80 20 80 percent archive 20 percent new okay. actually okay. um and that was mostly and this is how media Working in media works is that you have deadlines. Mm-hmm. And this is why sound libraries exist. 
This is why people like me build our own sound libraries over 10, 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. So that project lands in your lap, you're like, wow, wait, we have a week to get this done? I'm not going to like be patching every day until 4 a.m. I need to have a life mm-hmm. and I need to sleep. Right. Um, <laughs> and, and, and we're going to need to electrify this uh, accordion as well. <laughs> right. Oh, I forgot about the accordion, of course. Um, so, but... Um, but that still means that I did my very best to kind of follow Ben's advice. And I used stuff from my own library that I did record myself, a, a few things from other um, libraries. Like, um, I don't own an ARP 2600, but mm-hmm. someone else does. And they made a bunch yeah. of anime sound effects with their 2600, which is what was used at the time. Uh-huh. Perfect. Uh, per- period right. correct audio. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so let's, let's merge that. With like all the weird bleepy bloopy stuff I've done over the years, let's record some new stuff so it all kind of glues together. Let's decide where things that like you know footsteps and okay. handling sounds like those have to be realistic. You can't synthesize those and have those sell really to a viewer. Yeah, right. it, it, it'd have to be like a gag. <laughs> you know, <laughs> unto itself to have the feet go doink, doink, doink. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. And and the goal is like sell the sell the motion without calling attention to it. You know, yeah, where like, right, if there's no right. sound, it's going to feel odd. Mm-hmm. If it's a super hyped sound and you're not going for satire, you got to land somewhere in the middle and do it just straight up. Like this is a boot on dirt, <laughs> uh-huh. and it is what it is. And that way, we just kind of like get on with the scene and. Uh, and don't lose narrative momentum, which is uh-huh. always, always really, really important. Well, you see, when I scored Predator, just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, so this sounds like it's this so much more of a collaborative effort than I originally knew. Because Ben, you 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 sent me a text with a link, just saying like, "Hey, me and me and Moody worked on this, and you know, check it out." And uh, and you know, I. I, I I didn't know that that Nathan Nathan I thought you were just kind of doing just this the sound but it sounds like this was like a full on like collaboration oh, and just real yeah absolutely and and I think Nathan's gonna undersell his his contribution because um, he's a modest guy but uh, and I I warned him going in like I don't have any skills here all I have <laughs> is enthusiasm you know so I'm. Uh, I was checking in with him every step of the way, like probably to an annoying degree <laughs> of like, is this going to work? Can we do this? Here's how I imagine it working. Like probably had two or three meetings that didn't need to happen because I did understand what was going to happen, but I wanted to be sure before we moved on to the next stage or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I absolutely learned Every day I worked on it, um, both directly from Nathan and just from, you know, putting in the hours. Well, I, I, I think that the thing that I've found over, you know, again, since 1867 or so, <laughs> all of the experience I've had working on projects, um, it, 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 it's, it's not about skill of either or any uh, person. It's about two things. It's about character and it's about communication. Mm-hmm. And if everyone's coming from the same place in terms of character, believing in and supporting one another on the project, there's a degree of trust, mutual support that is critical. And then, like, 
if you think you're over communicating, you're probably barely saying enough. <laughs> <laughs> and that For is sure. absolutely critical. And if you think you're being like Ben says, he thinks he he was annoying. No, for me, it was like this is perfect. This is yeah, absolutely the right <laughs> amount of like preemptive questions. I would give him status updates as often as I could, just to be like, no action on your part. Just know where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. And then just like you can go to sleep and just stop thinking about it, and you know, live your life and be with your family and those other things that are yeah. way more important. Right. And like right. those those two things, character and communication. That's the basis for all um, successful collaborations, in my experience. Yeah, and yeah. I think even at at the same time, like uh, you know, I'm so used to the, just the mode I worked in at Dwarfcraft, which you know, I'm kind of in charge of X, Y, and Z, and and what I found is that there's a lot of dots that get connected and sentences that get finished in my head and nowhere else. Uh-huh. Um, so I, I, one of the big things I learned on this was like, no, you just don't uh, assume that your collaborators aren't going to assume anything. Just give them the whole ass story as much as possible. Like read it a couple times and be sure you're not connecting dots in your head that aren't on the page. Yep. I, I feel like I'm this. just learning that in marriage. Oh, oh my God, totally. <laughs> oh, dude, uh, any sort of collaboration is a relationship, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Every bit of a real relationship has a marriage or a friendship or family relationships. And relationships are all about communication. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. and it's it's funny you, you like you fancy yourself a good communicator, and then one day, you know, two years into a marriage, you're like, you know what? Maybe I. Maybe she didn't know that I that I wanted that <laughs> almond milk. <laughs> I don't know why I went with almond milk. We don't even use almond milk in this house. Uh, <laughs> well, either way, it's it's uh, man. I'm 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 just really happy when when uh, we we talk about something specifically on this show and we end up kind of in the philosophical weeds. That's kind of the whole reason I wanted to start this show, and it's these kinds of conversations that get me super excited. Um, so yeah, thank you guys for joining me and, um, let's, oh, thank let, you. let's tell people where and when they can get all the stuff. Okay. Um, so the score and the video full HD are going to be on Bandcamp September 1st September at com. Sweet. And Mr. Moody, your album will be the next day on Bandcamp. I know. Auspicious timing. And since <laughs> this is Podular Modcast, I'm just going to say for ring modulation, it's the E6, uh, E560 and the Circuit Abbey Twiggy. <laughs> I just gotta you gotta get, get specific gear talking and nerdy <laughs> to close that out. Good. I'm yeah, glad yeah. you those, I'm glad you remembered because somebody would have been like, you should have asked what he used. <laughs> those, <laughs> those 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 two ring mod um uh modules just were heavily used in this project. So right on. Um <laughs> now, do you guys wanna do either of you wanna try a patch challenge? Ben, you could even do it on guitar or you you could do it on whatever instruments you wanted. Either of you. Um, doesn't have. I will I will take a patch challenge and <laughs> send it to you 
in a day or two. Okay. Yeah. I, this this is this will be. Uh, in fact, is that okay? Yeah. Totally. I'm, I'll I'll edit this part out, but this will actually probably this will come out after your guys' stuff's out. But I will okay. I will promote your guys' stuff in intros to the the weeks before and say hey. Plus, they're going to be on the show soon. Um, so awesome. let me get my patch challenge generator out here. Oh boy. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> it, it sometimes it, it takes a second because uh, the words are kind of weird. But let's see. If you if you want to get really nuts, I've got a recipe for a Korean chicken uh, marinade <laughs> cooked up right now. <laughs> let's do that. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever that means. Yeah. Just randomly oh my God. pick some words out of there. The, wor- the words are <laughs> cumin and coriander. <laughs> Three teaspoon semi sesame <laughs> oil. <laughs> wow, dude! The recipe patch challenge is like a whole podcast onto itself. I know. Are there any are there any adjective noun combos in that recipe? <laughs> oh no! It's it's sorry. It's uh, all just measurements. Poor Tim. He's just like, where on earth has my conversation gone? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what I, I mean. That's that's the best part about doing this. Um, Oh, oh, Ben, God. we didn't oh. even get into like how our communication plan was completely based on passenger pigeons and smoke signals. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> wow. Idiot. We'll have to, we'll from have to from the Bay Area one. all the way to the Midwest, you guys are doing smoke <laughs> yeah, signals. Well, <laughs> them, them pigeons are tougher than you'd think. <laughs> they are. Oh, and, and, for the record, tastier. Mm. <laughs> um, well, yeah, while, while I try to generate this, because it's given me a lot of weird stuff... Um, do you guys have anything you'd like to shout from the modular mountaintops? Anything we didn't cover that you did want to get out there? Oh man, I I don't know. I've been like I said, I've been so focused on um, like just getting the short done. Like I was in a tizzy when it was finished. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean a tizzy? Oh, just like I had like two really dark days. Mm. Like. It, I I've always been pretty susceptible to that like the day after a show mm. or like I used to do theater so like when the when the you know when the show would end like that Sunday night would just be like ugh just oh a total so mel- super like, dark yeah serotonin crash dopamine crash yeah. or something yeah, yeah yeah so I started on another short yeah <laughs> 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 and Nathan, did you have anything else that you wanted to to promote or tell people about or remind people it's, of? It's Ben. It's Ben's awesome world, and I just work here. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. Well, I think Again, I got under, under <laughs> I think I got a cool I got a cool patch challenge for you guys. Mad okay. anticipation. Oh wow! Wait, one more time. Mad anticipation. Oh man. Hmm. And All then right. yeah. You guys can just uh, you know, send me a three to five minute recording of whatever you come up with that and I'll uh I'll I'll drop it here at the end of the, the episode. Um and yeah, wow. thank you guys so much. This was That's this was a lot of fun. I really I gotta tell you, um doing this show has always been, you know, a, a pleasure for me, but through COVID it's really been mm-hmm. my main source of interaction and I get to interact with the coolest people in the world, in my opinion. And, uh, you guys are probably, yeah, here we are. So thank- <laughs> yeah. yeah. So thank you. And, and, all, and also these, and also, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> no, I'm 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 so thankful that you went for it. Um, like I knew it was a it's a little bit of a stretch in that like there wasn't a whole lot of modular synth involved in it, but but I figured I'd reach out to some people anyway because like how many people do you know that made an animated short this summer? Right. And I, I mean, I started this as mod, you know, a modular focus thing, but like I, mm. I'm, it's, it's, if it's modular adjacent, then I want people <laughs> to know about it. Cause not everybody who's into modular synthesis is just into modules. And if, if that's the right. case, they're not right. listening to my show. So, um, so yeah, absolutely a pleasure. I love talking about this stuff. All right. Well, I know you're, um, you know, you're dying, dying of of mad anticipation, uh, waiting for these. Some of you will get that joke. Um, wasn't even that good. Uh, <laughs> these are some really, really good patch challenges. Um, and uh, let's kick it off with with Nathan Moody's mad anticipation. <laughs> Thank you. 
Well, that was frickin' awesome. Um, it's so weird to say frickin', but, like, you want to say fucking. but if I was like, that was fucking awesome, that might be a little too aggressive, but frickin' is pretty nerdy, but, like, if you aggressively lean into fucking, like, fucking awesome, like, that's, that's nerdy or dorky, maybe, in another way. Um, either way, I really enjoyed that, and, uh, let's check out Ben's Mad Anticipation.
that was freaking awesome as well. And so is this chat. And, uh, you know, occasionally you, you hit stop on the record and then you end up talking for another hour. And then the, the, the hour that you talk after uh, <laughs> that conversation would have also been a really good podcast. Um, but, you know, not everything's content, man. I've got some sweet content. That sounds so stupid. I, I told somebody today at a coffee shop that um, I was a part, like, they asked what I did for a living. I said, well, I'm a part-time instructor and a part-time podcaster. And I feel like such, I just feels weird saying that. I feel so kind of douchey, to be honest. Um, but it's the truth. And it's all thanks to you. Thank you to everybody who supported me on Patreon. Um, and if you'd like to help keep the LEDs blinking over here at Podmod, head over to patreon.com forward slash Modcast. Don't forget to get your synth booth tickets, synthbooth.com. And uh, I just want to say thank you to Omi Industries, After Later Audio, Recovery Effects, Patchworks, our lovely synth shop here in Seattle, and Needham Woodworks. This was a great time today. I hope you had a good time. Uh, get on that Discord server and send me your patch challenges. Mad anticipation. Let's see your let's let's see your mad anticipations. And uh, well, yeah, until next week. <laughs>